Hey you guys, welcome back to the Sell Less Life podcast. I'm so excited that you're here with me tonight. And we have a super special guest. His name is Robert Dennis. He is a real estate investor. He is a dad. He's an entrepreneur. He's just a mogul. Um, thanks so much for being here tonight. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me and thank you for that beautiful introduction. How are you doing? definitely thanks for coming on it's always you know i do have people that tell me no when i ask them to come on the podcast so i appreciate but you it. Ask so much when they say no exactly <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to get some people some time to get on give you guys some time to share it make sure you like and comment and we'll be right back welcome to the so lux life podcast where our goal is to enhance the mental, physical, and spiritual luxuries in life. Make your life luxurious through knowledge, coaching, training, and technique. Visit us online at soulluxlife.com. Here's your host, Crispin J. Watson. First thing first, I'm going to let Robert introduce himself. So just tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Of course, my name is Robert Dennis. I'm a three-year entrepreneur. Before that, I was a fire lieutenant with the fire department here in Birmingham. I left January 2019 to pursue my dream of real estate. And it's it's been a, a roller coaster ride ever since to you know to say the <laughs> least. To kind of paint a picture for us, like what was life like for you growing up? Like what's a childhood memory? Like what's one of your favorite childhood memories? I would say, let's see. I mean, there's so many. I would say sports, you know, just being outside. You know, a lot of kids don't be outside nowadays, you know. Oh, tell me about it. It's it's, it's crazy. And, and even, you know, at the dinner table and family mm-hmm. gatherings and things like that, uh, I would say those are definitely my, my most fun childhood memories. Yeah, I, I think that definitely sets a foundation, like your childhood and how like you're brought up, your upbringing, kind of molds you kind of into the adult that you are today, I feel like, right in my aspect, because you can kind of tell when kids kind of have a different upbringing, or they don't really have like a good childhood, it kind of reflects in their adult life. So. Yeah, not to judge, but I know what you mean. It's yeah there's a difference <laughs> yeah it definitely is so fatherhood kind of tell us about that i mean it's so many <laughs> it's so many people out here with kids but i think that people that don't have kids just don't really know the challenge of actually oh, being yeah. a parent and what goes into raising a kid so kind of what was your what's your experience being a father oh my experience has been like if you didn't have a plan before once you raise a child, you definitely have to have a plan then. Even planning the next day, it's like, okay, where are they gonna wear? Where are they gonna eat? Have to plan my day, okay, have to be have to shut everything down this time. So I'll be back, pick right. up from this, you know, take it there. Right. We'll be tonight, things like that. But it is it was definitely a challenge, uh, a life adjustment, but I couldn't I could not do it without my support system. My mom, my mm. sister, my nephew, my dad. I mean, they've been with me since day one, and I just know I could not do it without without them. 
Yeah, shout out to the support systems. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> even though mine's kind of far away, I still do have them for when I need them. They're like willing to help me out at the drop of a dime. They'll even like keep my kids for weeks at a time sometimes when they right. can. So it helps to have a support system. So if you have a support system, thank them. Um, so aside from that, so you, what sports did you play? You mentioned that you played sports. I played basketball. I played football when I got a little bit older, like middle school, played baseball mm -hmm. pretty much up until high school because once I got to high school and was old enough to get a job, you know, with, you know, my way of thinking where I can either keep playing sports and be broke or I can get me a job, have some money in my pocket. So when I was old enough to get a job, I went that route. Even though I had a lot hey. of time, it just hard work, education was preaching my house. So I went to, I went to hard work rather instead of just continue to play sports. Oh, I know what you mean, because in college, and I remember, like, some of my friends, <laughs> I got a job. I didn't have to get a job. Like, my yeah. parents had made me get a job. I was good, but I just wanted to get one because, like you, I like to have money. I like to buy things. Right. That was that. Right. My business, right? But I would have friends that would be like, you know, you don't even need a job. Your parents help you out with this and that. Why do you even work? I was like, Trust me. It's I need money. My parents cut the <laughs> cut the money out of us. <laughs> yeah. But I think it teaches that independence on your parents, even though they can still help you, sometimes they do have to cut you off at a point so you won't be so dependent on them, you know. Right. In the future. So kind of tell us about um your career being a firefighter, being the chief of firefighting. Well, Lieutenant. I'm I, I can't. Oh, lieutenant! I can't, I'm I can't sorry. Claim. You put some respect on me. I can't claim that I was I was a lieutenant when I left. Lieutenant, so, okay. So uh, I I got into it because I had a uh, a few friends and family members. You know, they told me about the business, and it was it was a career path that I could choose without having a college degree. You know, I could right. work in that field, and if I wanted to finish my degree, I can just go to school part time. That. I mean, that played a key factor in me choosing that career. And I mean, the pay the pay was good at the time. And it was something, like I said, I got into it. I went, you know, one semester at UAB for empty basic license. And I kept going, got my EMT paramedic license all while working mm -hmm. in the fire department. And they offered tuition reimbursement. So actually, I didn't have to pay for it. Fire department paid for oh, it. Yeah. And... Fast forward from there, you know, during that 12 years, I learned a lot, met a, a lot of amazing people and, you know, been a lot of crazy situations. I helped, you know, countless people. Mm -hmm. And I would say the schedule was great, too, because we work one day, have two days off. And that's what kind of gave me time to research real estate, learn more about it. And that's how it initially started with the whole real estate bug, it bit me and it, it didn't turn loose. So you want to go ahead. No, I was going to say, so what exactly was it? Like, were you watching something one day and saw someone say like, hey, I invested in real estate. Did you come across something on the internet? Like, what exactly was it that kind of got you on like the real estate bug? Well, <laughs> You know, it's like you always hear about it, hear people talk about it. Oh, it'd be a wealth of real estate, you know. It, but I just felt like, well, I can't do that. That's something rich people do. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I would say uh, this was maybe back in 2010. 
uh, I just got married. I'm divorced now. And the house I was living in, we rented that house out and bought another one. So I'm like, huh, that's pretty cool. You know, somebody else is paying my mortgage. I put a little mm-hmm. money in my pocket. I got another house. So huh, maybe that's how this real estate thing, you know, works. Yeah. So, so then, you know, that that's what really got me interested. I started doing more research, reading books. I don't think podcasts were really popular back then, but just mm-hmm. searching on the internet, I found, you know, uh, a real estate investment club here in Birmingham and networked with other mm-hmm. people and just kept growing from there. Yeah. So um, were there any specific books that really helped you kind of pave your way into getting started? Or did you do more like internet research? Kind of what was it that actually taught you your systems that you have in place now? Back then, it was more so internet and the in-person networking. Like I've, I've, I've been here. I, my first conference was in in Kansas City, Missouri. Met people there, so I was just kind of all over the place. But fast forward from there, I would say within the last four or five years, I read a lot of books. But some of them were based on business and real estate, but the game changer for me was when I started really reading books about, you know, changing your, your mindset, what's up here, because, yeah. I yeah. mean, that just shifts your, your entire way of thinking. It's like you have you to. You can do anything once you get your mind right. in the right place. You get your mind right and you can do anything. So I would I would promote more books like that that really changes your mindset because you mm-hmm. have to, first of all, believe in yourself. Yeah. Uh, and. What else can I say about that? It's just you have to think with the end goal in mind. Like, okay, what type of investor do I want to be? What type of daily habits do I need to create to get to that point? Mm-hmm. Let me shadow other people. What do they do to get to that point? So mm-hmm. I would say the book's more about changing mindset. But of course, I've, I've read real estate books. I mean, if I would have to go in my library and really bring it out to <laughs> but I think yeah. uh, one that sticks out the most, uh, the 10X rule by Grant Cardone, that mm-hmm. sticks out. Things like yeah. that. You know, and different, and different books from other entrepreneurs like uh, the CEO of Nike. You know, his book, Shoe Dog. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't think of his name right now, but CEO of Nike. His book, Shoe Dog. I think every entrepreneur <laughs> should read that book. Yeah, I'll put it on my Feel night. Nice. Nice. That's his name. <laughs> yeah, so um spoke about like the mindset and different routines. And yes, yeah, someone in the comments said mindset matters. It definitely does, James. Um, because if you change your mind, you can change your whole life. If you like right. take control of like your emotions and the way you look at things and the way you analyze situations and the way you respond to when things don't go the way that you feel that they should go. I think right. you really begin to take over your life and you know be able to shift your mind to that accomplished like accomplished mindset where I can do anything. Exactly. Yes, key little facts. Um, and you said you mentioned like you started different daily routines. So kind of what what was your daily routine or what is your daily routine now? Well, it's pretty basic. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> it's it's nothing extravagant. It's just keeping a keeping a routine. It's like you know, I wake up, make my bed up. That way, you really won't get back in it. 
Some I won't lie, sometimes I do hit the snooze button. Okay. And even the way I put like, okay, now it's like I wear a uniform every day, you know, with my business, my business logo and things like that. I wear this every day. So you don't waste a lot of brain time figuring out, okay, what am I gonna wear today? Because Oh, maybe I need to do that. <laughs> so that brain energy can be, you know, shifted elsewhere to make you more yeah. efficient in, in what you're doing Other inside areas. your business. Right. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, see, with me, I feel like I am my brand and my business. So I have to look a certain way. Uh-huh. Like when I'm out, some days I do wear like real estate t shirts, like Chris Martin Realtor, this and that. But, you know, I was actually just thinking earlier today that I need to get some more, like, T-shirts so I can actually wear something that says that I'm a realtor and actually really brand myself when I'm out meeting new people physically. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, good point. Good tip. I hope you guys are taking notes on this because Robert is dropping gems for free. Um, because sometimes people make you pay for education, like, you know, like, Grand Cordon, like, People make right. you pay for information for sure. Which so, I've um, done that and I will continue yeah. to do that just because, like, okay, let's let's be honest. You know, the real estate business is not cheap. I mean, finding deals costs money. Everything you do costs money. And I feel like people who who charge for their knowledge, it's it's not like they just want to take your money. It's just you can choose to pay and shorten your learning curve. Or you can just learn everything from the school of hard knocks. I mean, it'd be a cheaper way, but the longer way. That's how I feel about that. Now, don't go crazy and just spend all your money on books, courses, and, <laughs> and things like that because you yeah. won't have any money to invest. So, <laughs> I like, you know, pay attention to your budget. Pick and choose, you know, who you want to follow, who you want to learn from. And, and a lot of time, you know, books and courses, I mean, that's great, but the the biggest teacher is just getting out here and, you know, and it in the mud doing deals and meeting people networking. Yeah. Yeah. Getting your hands dirty. Do you believe in like mentorships? Did you have a mentor when you were getting into real estate? Not initially. I was just kind of winging it because like (laughs) just getting in the game. Okay. You may, may not have a lot of cash, but you have a lot of time. So I spent a lot of my time doing things that, other people weren't willing to do. Like, I got in my car. I, they call it driving for dollars. I see a vacant property, look it up, try to find the owner. And that's that's a funny story because my very first deal, this is, this is where my uh, my Instagram name comes from, REI All-Star. All right. <laughs> there was a vacant house right across the street from my parents' house. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, it was vacant ever since I was like a, a young child, maybe like 10, 11 years old. So, you know, I I used the tools I learned from from a seminar how to how to find the owner. I went through the county records, found the owner, typed up a nice little yellow letter, sent it out to him. Come to find out, it was owned by an NFL player, Willie McGinnis. I don't know if you follow a lot of football, but Willie McGinnis, he you know big time Super Bowl champ. You know, anyway, that was his uncle's house. He left me to him. So I was like, All wow, right. my, first, my first deal is with an NFL star. So that's wow. why I'm awesome. I'm a real estate okay, all-star. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so neat. That's like a fun story. So when you wrote him, he responded to the letter like the first attempt, or did it take you a couple attempts to actually get in contact with him and get a response? 
it was the first attempt. He sent me a text saying, hey, he ready to sell. Now that's like, that's like unheard of. That that was I the only time like, that ever oh, happened. So I thought like, I was like, hey, <laughs> you said it's easy. Watch million dollars next week. What's up? You know, so, but, right. Wow. Yeah. So pretty much, um, so kind of take us through the process. Like, and I know you might not want to tell all your secrets and all of that, but just like with direct mail. So, you know, he just contacted you and said he was ready to purchase and you guys just wouldn't negotiate a price and it was just a go from there. So he was just really, really just ready to get the money from the home. Right. He was living in California. The house was here in Birmingham. So he had been sitting on it for it a year. So he was, he was just ready. I, it's all about catching the person at the right time. Maybe if I would have right. contacted him a year ago, he would say, nah, no way. But it's it's also about, you know, mm -hmm. just contacting people at the right time. So what did you end up doing with that property? That was that was a wholesale deal. Uh, I, a guy, I wouldn't call him a, really a mentor. He was more like a, a business partner. He was, he was okay. He knew more than me, but, he, <laughs> you know, he was a little shady, but it is mm -hmm. what it is. Yeah. Uh, we, we uh there was a wholesale deal we wholesale wholesale wholesaled it to a hedge fund company so, oh yeah, nice so for great. people that may be listening who aren't really familiar with different aspects of real estate investing can you kind of tell us what wholesaling is or just like the different types yeah. of real estate investing there are yeah a wholesale deal is where you deal directly with the seller, mm -hmm. you negotiate a price, you get on the contract, and then you assign that contract to another investor for another price. And your profit is, is what's in the middle. Like, for example, if you have a contracted price at $100,000, and then you assign that contract to another investor for $110,000, then you just made $10,000. Zero money out your pocket. All it takes is time. All it takes is time. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I believe like people, especially like our community, a lot of people don't know about wholesaling and investing and things like that, but that's where like research comes in or connecting and networking with someone such as yourself so they can help you kind of get into real estate investing and things like that. And you mentioned you will continue to invest in education. So how often do you invest in education when it comes to building your business? I would say, of course, uh, the local meetups, that's a form of education. That's, that's monthly. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I try to go to at least two conferences per year. And last year I was involved with a mastermind and we, we met once per quarter. So I would say bare minimum twice per year. And I was, yeah, two to four times per year just to not only network with people local in Birmingham, but also just to get an idea of what's going on on a national scale, what other investors are doing in other cities and things like that. Yes, so with you wholesaling, you can wholesale from anywhere, can't you, in the United States? You don't just have to wholesale here. Oh, most definitely. I mean, if you have a if you have a laptop, 
You can invest anywhere in the United States. Because <laughs> I know some people yeah. feel like they have to be there, like in the actual state. But like, no, if you're able to get this particular house under contract in Wyoming, hey, you got right. yourself a deal if you're looking, if you find someone that's, you know, willing to purchase it. Right. So, of course, but I mean, simplify, that's very well possible. I know investors in Phoenix that invest here in Birmingham, you know. Oh, nice. So, I mean, it's all over. That's that's an old way of thinking. Like, I like for a wholesale business, it's easier to invest virtually. But if you want rentals and doing flips and things like that, I would suggest you start in your, you know, your own backyard to get more experience and then branch out to other cities. Because let's see, yeah. I've, I've been investing three years now, and it wasn't until last year to where I bought outside of Birmingham, which I bought, I bought in Montgomery. So, and that's not, it was still, I could still drive there and back in one day. Yeah. And, be fine. I, and then uh, it was a Montgomery deal and a Douglasville, Georgia deal that I did last year. So I'm, I'm starting. All right, so these deals were these flips or what type of deals are we talking? The Montgomery deal was a flip and Douglasville was a, was a wholesale. Nice. So, kind of tell us about your first flip. How was that experience? Your very first. Oof. Oh man. <laughs> now it, it, it's funny because when when you say okay, I flip houses and things like that, people automatically assume, oh, you know, you're rich, you do this, 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 and that. My first deal, <laughs> you know, I was, I was I was still with the fire department. Uh, I had saved, you know, saved some cash, and the guy told you about. Uh, we went to business. He had more experience and I, I had more cash. So it was like, okay, well, I managed the deal. You put up the cash. So did that. Of course, it costed more than expected. It went longer than expected. He wasn't paying people. He, you know, we won't call him any names because an investor where everybody knows everybody. But it, uh, right. <laughs> I mean, it was. But even with that, I wouldn't say it was just a terrible experience because. I did learn a lot. Yeah. And it took one year to sell that property. And I think I netted a year? Like one year. And I think I netted four hundred dollars. You are lying. Four hundred dollars. However, the education was was priceless because it gave me the experience and the confidence to go to another deal. And another deal, another deal. So you just take all, you know, all the, the losses, the wins, the experience, mm -hmm. the education, you just take Take it all, all along with you because at least you made a profit. I mean, four hundred right. is better than losing four thousand. So yeah, I mean, I've lost money on deals as well, and that just that just comes to show you that you know how dedicated I am to being successful in business. Because you know, a lot of people after only making four hundred dollars on one deal and losing on the next deal, they're like, oh, you know, it doesn't work. I'm just gonna do this, this, mm -hmm. and that. But it it actually made me want to try even harder. Because yeah. I had a love for it, I had a passion, and I was like, I guess it's the ego thing too. It's like, okay, well, I lost, so I gotta, I gotta make it up. I can't, I can't right. end on a loss. I just, I just can't do that. Yeah, that goes back to that mindset. Because if you had a mindset where you were like, you're gonna let this defeat you, you would have never went back and tried again. Like, okay, I'm gonna go back and be a lieutenant right. again, or what have you. Right, and and just. Uh -uh. Just a word of advice for people that's listening. Like, don't 
don't share your wins or losses with people who's not doing the same thing as you because it will throw you off your path very quickly. A lot of naysayers, I mean, they will, I mean, it's like poison. They don't mean harm. They just, you know, they 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 will kill your dream with right. Kill your dream. Because, you know, they kind of look at themselves like when you have a goal and they feel like they can't reach that goal. They feel like you can't. Then nobody can, right? Right, and that's that's not the case. That's why I suggest you know always share your goals, your wins, your losses with like-minded people. Mm. Like if you, if you get in trouble or something bad happens or whatever, and you know in the real estate business, you need to talk to other real estate investors. Don't talk to your cousin, your mom, your dad, because they'd be like, know, see why you shouldn't have been wasting your money, right? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So don't, don't even go down that road. Just, you know, stay focused, put your blinders on, only talk with like-minded people because they can steer you in a better direction than the naysayers. Great. Like I said, they don't, they don't mean harm. They just, people don't know what they don't know. They don't. They, they don't understand what they haven't experienced. Right. So that's kind of like the older generation. Like if you go to them and talk about entrepreneurship, they're like, you're going to quit your job. <laughs> oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was the experience. Did you have, how was quitting your job? At what, 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 what was it that made you wake up one day and like, okay, I'm, a, I'm setting a plan. Like I'm done. Just kind of, what was it? I would say I knew I wanted to quit two years before I actually had the guts to quit. And it's not like I hated my job. That's another reason Mm -hmm. why it was hard to leave because, I mean, the fire department job is one of the best jobs in the world. I mean, you help people on regularly, you save lives, you, I mean, you're heroes, heroes, (laughs) you know, the camaraderie, all that is, it's great. So it was, it was very, it was very (laughs) difficult to leave. And And at that point, you know, I I had some success in real estate and some losses at that point. Mm -hmm. So, and and to to be honest, it wasn't like, you know, I was super successful in real estate before I left. It's just, I had a plan I knew could work and I just had faith in that plan. So I was, you know, fast forward two years after that, you know, it was funny. It was, uh, it was January 1st, 2019. I was at work eating lunch. I was like, you know what? I'm not coming back. You know, I just in my heart, I was like, "Hey, um, let's see if I'm ready. Let's see, let's see what I'm made of. Let's see if I can make it on my own. You know, totally independent is what I call. Mm-hmm. It. We also, I feel like you're totally independent because you're not relying on a job or anybody to, you know, navigate your future for you. So that's that's where it started with that. And you just kind of jumped out there. <laughs> I jumped out and it. I, let's say I quit in January, and I didn't. I didn't even find. I didn't even find a deal until that April. Oh wow! Really? Well, so you, know, you didn't January, have like any deals under January, contract. March, that means nothing. I had nothing until until April. So now, of course, people around you they say, "Okay, well, you quit your job. What you doing now? You know, what? <laughs> what you just sitting around not doing nothing?" So I'm working. You don't see it, but I'm working. Right. So I, you know, it. You have to build. A pipeline of deals just because I find a lot of off-market deals, so that's a lot of putting a lot of offers, a lot of no's, this, this, and that. 
So it's not it's not just easy to go out. Oh, that's a house right there. I buy it, flip it, boom. It's, it's not that easy to make it on TV. It's really not. Mm-mm. Because you have to have money and the funds to actually do this. So to the people out there that are thinking about getting into real estate investing and they're not really sure how to get started, so how much money would you say like a beginner investor should have in order to start getting into the real estate investing business, whether it be, well, you said wholesaling, you, you didn't need any money. So when it comes to flips, how much money would you say a first timer needs to have? You mean to be like full time in the business or something you just want to try out? Like, to do to like to do your first deal, just like do a deal, do first flip deal. a house. Hmm. And what are other means? Other means? Okay, well, well, first I can say, okay. You have first you have to decide what kind of investor you want to be. Do I want to be passive? Want to be active? <clears throat> and how explain? Do I want to can you explain okay. the two for us? Okay, a passive investor is where, okay, I've got 10, 20, 30, 50 thousand dollars. And I don't want to spend the time, you know, dealing with contractors or this, this and that. So how about, OK, I put this money in a deal and you just give me a certain return back. Mm, that's a that's passive. A, that's a passive investor or or they. I call that turnkey, like when a, when the house is already rehabbed and, and a tenant in place paying monthly, that's turnkey. Or they can say, hey, I just want to buy a turnkey property. I just buy this property and I collect the rent. So those are, are, are passive ways. And active, that means you have to really, you know, put your sleeves up and you have to deal with this on a daily. And I would say, <clears throat> I mean, you can do that with a full-time job. It'll, it'll just be very challenging because while contractors call you say, hey, you know, did you want flat paint or satin paint? You can't answer the phone. Like, I don't know which other one is the cheapest. And they pick the wrong paint. So now you just got to deal with the wrong paint. Things <laughs> like that. You're kind of out of the loop when you're not in it full time. But like I said, mm. you, you you can do that. It would just be more challenging if you still have, you know, a full time job. But as far as if you're just getting started, I would say an average flip would cost you between like out of, you know, out of pocket expenses, I would say between fifteen to eighteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And that's on a I would say on the house between. Now we're talking ARV, added fair value, between 150 to 200. Mm. So when people say you don't need money in real estate, you do. But <laughs> here's the thing: it doesn't have to be your money. It can be what we call OPM, other people's money. Like, okay, if you if you find a flip deal, and it's going to cost you, say, I mean, fifty thousand dollars out of pocket, and you don't have mm-hmm. anything. Well, you need to know somebody with something. And if they trust you, if you have a, well, first, you know, if you don't have a track record, then you need a business partner or whatever. But you can raise capital. Like, I mean, if you know somebody who has $50,000 laying around, you say, hey, I have this deal. You present the deal, you know, professionally where, you know, where it makes sense. And, you know, they put up the capital and you give them a certain return back. Win win. Nice, and that's when you not having to use any of your money, you're just using other people's money. Right. I hope you guys are taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) 
And yes, Keila says, yes, my mom and I had that conversation about how our generation takes more risks. So true. Because I was scared to dive into real estate pools. I want to say I was scared because it was just something I decided like a nine to five just wasn't for me because I like to, you know, live my life and right. just enjoy each day. And I just felt like right. a nine to five was just stopping me from being great because I want to do so many other things that I can't do while I'm just sitting at a desk all day. You know? So it definitely gives me the freedom. I absolutely love it. Um, so what would you say some of your biggest challenges have been with investing? That's broad. Like you mean with the business, um, personal, or? We can start with the business and then we'll go into what was kind of like your biggest challenges when it comes to flips. Like what's the hardest part about that? And what's the hardest part about wholesaling? Wholesaling, I, I don't do much wholesaling anymore, but I would say with that part of the business, uh, you have to spend a lot of money in marketing. Like, for instance, mm -hmm. if you want to go the direct mail route, okay, the response rate with that is about 1%. So that means 1% of your mailers is going to get a response. So mm -hmm. if you send out 10,000 mailers, 1% of 10,000, what, 100? I'm not the best at math. I didn't go to college. But <laughs> <laughs> let's say, okay, 100 people respond. <laughs> Yeah, right. 10,000. That's 1%, right? 100. Yeah. All right. Don't put me on the spot either. Look, we got to calculate it here if we really need to. Okay. Y'all get what okay, we're saying. So, but that means, okay. Yeah. Course, that costs money. So now 10,000 mail pieces. All right. 100 people respond. Them aren't cheap. Right. 100 people respond. So that means out of those 100 people's, people, you have to figure out, okay, where's the deal? <laughs> Some people gonna they just call and waste your time, they want too much money, or this, this, and that, or it's not a deal, the numbers don't make sense. I would say out of a, out of those hundred people, you may you may go on 50 appointments. Mm -hmm. So every appointment that you make, you need to make an offer. Like if you go see a house, it doesn't matter if you you feel like they won't accept the offer, you need to make an offer because if you don't make an offer. You won't get a deal. So I say <laughs> 50 offers. I mean, maybe 10% of those may get accepted. And I know 10% that's, you may get one deal that they will actually close. So now, yeah. okay. and during the meantime, this may be a whole entire quarter so now at that point you need to send out more mailers so it gets to be an actual mm -hmm. i mean wholesaling it, it starts out small but if you want to do it full-time it, it it becomes a real deal business that's what i'm yeah. trying to say that's, you that's have a, to work it as a business right. like just right. because you're an entrepreneur doesn't mean you can sleep all day you can take multiple days i mean eventually you can when the business really starts growing but i think that's one of the challenges many entrepreneurs have they don't really manage time very well right so yeah and real estate is a numbers game like i've even learned that just on the being an agent 
outside of it. It's a numbers game. Like how many people you right. contact determine how many deals you do. It's yeah, it's it's sales. Like whether I mean whether you're wholesaling or flipping or I mean you're still negotiating prices, uh, mm-hmm. negotiating with sellers. It's sales. You have to sell yourself. That's why you know, like I'm always in these shirts, branding myself just to look like okay, because you just never know. You have to have a slight edge over your competition. You never know <laughs> what you know because if if I came to you and I I'm just Joe Blow home buyer, <laughs> and you already met ten you know ten buyers. You know what's gonna set me apart from somebody else. Right, he looks professional. He was in his uniform. He was consistent. Right. They say like your talent and what you know will get you in the room, but your professionalism is what's gonna make you stay. I had another podcast guest kind of expound on that. All right, I can, I can give you an example. Uh, this may have been two years ago. Uh, I went to go look at the house. I put in my offer. They accepted it. But she told me why she accepted it. She she told me that the person that came after me were rude to her grandchildren, this and that. So it's not like, and they offer more than I did. So even with that, it's not all about the highest offer. It's about, you know, you have yeah. to get people to like you. You just can't be rude to people and expect a good outcome. So even with yeah. that, even just being, you know, I mean, a good person can get you a deal mm-hmm. over somebody else who just an asshole. Yeah, so true. Um, even like if um have a like for instance, when I did have a listing, I had a listing in Hoover, and that listing was so hot, so many offers came in on it, even like first day at the market. And it really boiled down to like we had two offers that were nearly like neck and neck the same. Actually one was like a little bit better, but my seller she trusted me she's like which one do you think and honestly I was like you know this one because the agent was so nice she the other person was really rude they're really pushy just doing a lot and I knew like I'm gonna have to work this deal with this person for the next 30 however many days so do I want to work with you know bitchy Betty or do I want to work with this pleasant you know Pam over here so we kind of went with pleasant Pam so Yeah, I mean, with real estate, it's it's all about relationships, and yeah, even now it's like I'm not doing much wholesale. I'm doing more more flipping and eventually buying hold. Like, okay, you know, someone has a deal, another wholesaler has a deal. I develop a relationship with them, take them out to lunch. I buy a deal from them, so they say, okay, he bought a deal. It was a fast closing. It was pleasant. So, mm-hmm. what do you think they're gonna do when they get another deal? Hey, I got this deal. You know, it's it's all about relationships. Yes, it's definitely a relationship business. Someone asked, can you explain hard money lending or is that the same as OPM? It's it's similar. Uh here's the difference. Like OPM is just somebody you know, like Crispin. Hey Crispin, I need fifty thousand dollars <laughs> for this deal. And I give mm-hmm. you a certain turn back. When it's just like a negotiation between two people, you know, written. I, de- I definitely recommend it be written. That's I would call that other people money. And with hard money, it's it's more structured. It's an actual it's an actual loan, uh-huh. interest payments, and then they have money set aside in escrow. That's also a part of the you know the main loan. They have money aside in escrow for the rehab. 
that's that's the basics of it. Hard money is it can be a company, it can also be an individual, but it's it's more set up like I mean, interest rates are higher, but it's not like going to a bank where a bank, okay, you have to qualify for this loan. Mm-hmm. With hard right. money, the property qualifies the loan. So a lot of times, you know, if you don't have good credit, you don't have, you know, a ton of cash, hard money is a good route because, you know, they're not concerned about debt income ratio, credit mm-hmm. score. Not they, they don't really focus on credit score. Like if, if your credit isn't, isn't great. I mean, just to be honest, my first deal, my credit was not great, but I was still mm-hmm. able to use hard money because the, like I said, the property qualifies alone and not your personal financial statement or your personal assets. Mm. That, that answers the question. Yeah, yeah, it did. Have you ever used hard money before? All the time. For any of your deals? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had people, um, different investors that have reached out just to work with me and maybe help them get a property listed, what have you. And, you know, they complain about the interest rates being extremely high on hard money loan. Yeah, I mean, it's high. But, I mean, it just is what it is. I mean, you can, like, I read a book. You see, he who holds the goals, holds the gold, makes the terms. You know, they, they got the money. You need the money. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's less hassle, so you just have to pay for that convenience. It is what it is. Yeah. Like I said, if you like, okay, if you have a goal set, okay, I want to make this much money on this deal. The money for this deal costs this much. Mm-hmm. If it still makes sense. You got profit in the day, then. Yeah. Go for it. They asked, "How do you find those type of lenders?" Uh, networking events. I mean, there's there's uh, a couple. There's a couple real estate groups here in town. One of them that I attend is uh, REI Live. They meet once a month. I think it's two today. They they meet tomorrow, actually. I forgot what time, but that's REI that's Live. Cool. I do the one REI Connect with Jonathan. Jonathan. You should check. Have you, have you been to any of here? You should check them out. Yeah. I haven't. I just, I've been, because I stopped going to the meetings for a while just because. I was so busy and I thought I knew everything. And so I had to humble <laughs> myself a little bit and start back going to the meetings. <laughs> just just being honest. So networking is so important, especially in the real estate business. It is important because I mean I met a guy there. I mean, we just looked at a deal today, you know, put in the offer, hopefully accept the offer. So we partnered up on the flip. Mm-hmm. Uh what's another for hard money? I mean internet. There's you can try the Scotsman guide. Now they have a, a list of nationwide lenders. So that, I mean there's a lot. It's don't think that it's just, just locally, but there's there's nationwide lenders and a and a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that answers that. Do you guys have any other questions for Robert? He has been so amazing. He has Local shared book. so much. Three ninety nine for now. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> So tell us how many deals have you done um, when it comes to real estate? Like if you just had to guess, if you don't know an exact number. Uh, since I've been full time, I would say, I mean, maybe maybe twelve or fifteen. Mm-hmm. Over yeah. that's what like a three year time span. Yeah, about three years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About twelve or fifteen. 
So what are some of your goals when it comes to real estate investing? I would like to just grow this monster as big as I can grow it. And yeah. at a certain point, I would like to teach others, you know, mm -hmm. early retirement, teach others and be on the island somewhere. Life. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was so great having you. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the Deluxe Life audience? I will say, you know, whether whether you're an entrepreneur, you got a nine to five, like whatever you do, make sure you do it well. Yes. Believe in yourself. Create your own path. Don't look at other people's path and say, well, they did this and this a certain amount of time. And yeah. why am I here? Why am I here? You know, it's it's a journey, not a destination. Yes. Yes, yes. So true. I love it. Well, thank you so much. It's been amazing. It's been great. How can it. people okay. and how can people connect with you if they want to get in contact with you? Uh, you can catch me on Facebook, Robert Dennis. And I think I got my my Instagram handle right there at REI underscore all star. <laughs> okay. Some I don't post as much as I should, but a lot of times I have little tidbits here, different design ideas, and also ask questions. So hey, if you got a question, I, when I got time, I will respond, whatever you need. All right. Well, thank you so much. All right.